Harvest Church. I'm Krista Hoffman. We have our e-bulletin available online with links to our Connect form and website. You can access this by opening the camera app on your iPhone or Android device and pointing it at the QR code on the screen. If you're new with us today, we are so glad you've joined us. Please connect with us by going to presschurch.tv or by snapping the QR code with your device and clicking on the I'm new link. This is not a commitment to anything, but an opportunity for us to support you and thank you for joining us. We're collecting toys for Common Ground Free Store's Miracle on William Street event, where parents can do their Christmas shopping through the free store. We're collecting toys for kids 12 to 17 years old. They should be new and unwrapped, so please bring them any Sunday in November. Press Youth will be meeting tonight from 6 to 7.30 p.m. at our Powell campus for a Thanksgiving pie eating contest. This will be a great time for our youth to connect with each other and learn more about God. A new midweek releases Wednesday at noon on our YouTube channel. Join us as pastors discuss spiritual questions with each other. If you have any questions you'd like them to dig into, please email info at presschurch.tv. From 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. on Tuesday, December 2nd, we'll be hosting a blood drive at our Powell campus. For more information, please email jason.allison at presschurch.tv. If you'd like to join Press Church in making a difference in this community, there are four ways you can support us financially. If you're visiting a campus in person, there's a box by the back exit of the worship center where you can drop your support as you leave. If you would prefer to send a check, please send it to 8794 Big Bear Avenue, Powell, Ohio, 43065. The easiest way to give is by visiting our website or texting any amount to the number 84321. Let's celebrate everything God has given us and support the community both locally and globally. Now let's prepare to engage what God has for us today. Welcome to the island of the misfit toys. Welcome to the island of the misfit toys. Don't you forget, you were loved, you were loved, you were loved. Well, good morning. Welcome again to Press Church. My name is Sean Lee, and I'm the lead pastor. And I would like to also welcome those of you watching online and those of you who may be new for the first time or visiting us. Uh, we're so glad to have you this morning. Uh, who's, who's ready for Thanksgiving? Everybody ready for Thanksgiving? Who's, like, shocked that Thanksgiving is this week? <laughs> it's like, last week I was, like, planning for this. I'm like, oh, my gosh, Thanksgiving is next week. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not ready. And then soon enough, Christmas is going to be here, and then 2022, and then it never stops. We know this. So we have some fun stuff coming up at Press that I want to celebrate. First off, uh, this is, is fairly new. Uh, but I do want to celebrate it. We have secured a new partnership through our Press Outreach Center in Delaware with the Dream Center in Delaware. And so uh, we're really excited about what the future holds with that and some opportunities that we may have uh, in Delaware to be able to help and facilitate some outreach there. Um, and if you're interested in volunteering, we actually have some new volunteer opportunities that are going to be coming through that. I would uh, advise you to uh, email or talk with Pastor Jason. He's actually not here 
this Sunday he is cheating on us with another church, so make sure to give him a hard time next Sunday. Sorry, no, it's cool. He's, he's teaching in another church this morning. I'm not mad. It's, it's really, I'm not. It's good. Um, but if you're interested in helping, uh, talk with him. He is actually tomorrow going to be uh, helping out. There's going to be some food delivery services that we are working uh, through the Dream Center with, through our outreach center. And so if that's something that you may be interested in, on Monday nights, they're going to be doing that almost every week. And so uh, make sure to reach out to him. You can email him, Jason dot allison at presschurch.tv or again just talk to one of us if you're interested we can connect you we'd love for you to be involved in that the other thing that i want there's two more things i want you to be on our radar december 2nd we have a blood drive it was in the announcement but i know everybody likes to do other things during the announcement so december 2nd it's it's a thursday we're doing a blood drive here at press it's going to be from 10 to 4 if i'm not mistaken you need to pre-register so it's in our email if you're not getting emails, let us know. Talk to me or talk to one of the pastors or email us at infopresschurch.tv. Infopresschurch.tv, we will make sure to get you all information on that. And then the last thing is Tuesday, December 7th, that's the week after the, the blood drive, we are doing a, a blanket making event at the Press Outreach Center. We've done this pretty much every year that press has been a thing, even before we launched. Uh, so we get together, we make some no-sew blankets together. It's really fun time to just hang out, get to know each other. If you've only been oppressed for a little bit, this is a great opportunity to meet some people. Um, and we take those blankets and we give them out to different organizations that have need for them. So really cool event. So all those three things coming up the next couple weeks. Uh, and then the last thing, today and then next Sunday are the last two Sundays to bring in those toys uh, for the toy drive they're doing. So if you haven't done that, uh, I'll be at the church most of the week until, you know, obviously I won't be here on Thanksgiving. But if you don't get it in today and you're not going to be there on Sunday, let us know. We can take some stuff during the week as well. All right. You guys get that? Are we, are we up to date? Are we good? There's some good stuff. Please, please be involved. It's, it's really good. All right. So Misfit Toys, we're continuing. Second week of Misfit Toys. How are we feeling about being a Misfit Toy? Some people are like, don't call me Misfit Toy. So last week we went back to the beginning. We went back to creation. We looked at the book of uh, some of Genesis and how we were created and that God gave us identity and purpose and it was good. Uh, but we see Adam and Eve, what did they do? They disobeyed, which led to the fall, which led to this brokenness, which led to us having this, this longing. This, there's, there's something that's not right. And we're dealing with the, the repercussions of that. So with that, misfit toys, we were created perfectly for a time, for a place, for a purpose, and we're now feeling that longing that things aren't how they should be, especially within us. And so it's, it's acknowledging that. It's acknowledging, you know, we have this longing. There is something more. There is something better. And we're trying to grasp it. We're trying to get it, but it seems to always just go through our fingers. And we have to face the fact that there is this disconnect. There is this longing. And we, we have problems, right? We have some problems. And so this week, I got in the car with CR and Pastor CR and Pastor Jason, and we started to talk through a little more of this misfit toy uh, idea and some of the problems that we have. So let's watch this video. CR, do you realize how many problems you have? <laughs> yeah, he does. This is why he's always depressed. I'd be the first to tell you, I, I got problems. I got some big problems. 
two of them are sitting in the car. And the problem with me. is, no one else is willing to realize how many problems they have. They're right. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like Seinfeld. Uh, what's the uh, Festivus Day? Ah, uh, Festivus for the rest of us. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The airing of grievances uh, from the Festivus. Oh, that was one of the stages or, or yeah. whatever. The tradition of Festivus begins with the airing of grievances. I got a lot of problems with you people. Now you're going to hear about it. A lot it. of problems and you're going to hear about it. Yeah. <laughs> I guess it's job security, right? What, people having problems? Yeah. Well, it is, it is for all the corporations because that's how they make all their money. Yeah, they're, they're telling you, like, You've got problems, yeah. and and we've got we've the solution. Got the, here's yes. how you can fix them. Show us yeah. the money, and uh, that's, right. here, that's what the church has become, though. Unfortunately, yeah, I think that's uh, a, that's, that's mm-hmm. I guess that's why I said it in, in more of a. And that's been the expectations about church. Yes, yeah. like Fixed. I expect the church to fix my problems. Yes. Oh, they have no real answers to anything, and so forget church. I'm done with that. Yeah. Like, yeah. I got totally, better things to do. Right. Yeah. Totally missing the point on what church is all about. Yeah. But what are you going to do? Yeah. What are you going to do? Right. You're going to go spend a lot of money and go get your Dis- whatever's. Distract myself you're from gonna Distract have, yes, yourself you're from gonna, your problems. Yes. Yes. Yeah. We talked last week. You know, we have this longing. We have this, this hole. We have this, uh, I mean, I always hate, we say this a lot, brokenness. No one wants to be told they're broken you know what i'm saying like right. that's the the thing that's people can push back on that oh i'm not broken it's it's a need right well it does point to the fact that there is a version of us that isn't broken right mm-hmm. right i mean if if this is how i am broken then that means i could get better mm-hmm. like that's that's the way i look at it right, right. but i'm also mr optimistic in this. I, I do like the idea of using the word misfit yes because it does point out that uh, there is a fit but it's a misfit in a particular sense mm-hmm. right we, we yeah. sometimes use fallen right? right yeah fallen people in a fallen world yeah. right you might have heard that before right. but uh yeah this idea of being misfit means that we were designed with a purpose but yet it's not working yeah. something's not right yeah so and what do we do about it right well, it creates problems. <laughs> I avoid doing anything about it at all costs. That way I don't have to think about it. Uh, but yeah, maybe. Maybe some people do. They avoid doing it. Or at least they avoid uh, viewing the problem. They, they try to distract themselves. We all do, right? We oh, all yeah. try to distract ourselves with things uh, that will keep us from focusing on the problem. Right. Sometimes it's things to, you know, happy things that make us not think about it. Oh, Other yeah. times it's it's pointing out the brokenness, the misfittedness of everyone else. Right. Absolutely. So that I don't have to think about mine. Yeah. Yes. And let me list the ways that you guys yeah. are broken. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah. And let's talk about you and tell, your brokenness. Yeah. Let's tell you why you're the problem. Not yeah. Me. Yeah. So we have problems. I think the, it, the first step is admitting you have a problem, right? You, you've heard that before. Are we willing to take that first step and admit we have a problem? Problems. We can admit that. Has it, I have a question. All right. So has anybody tried to fix something on their own, maybe their house or their car, that you shouldn't have tried to fix on your own, but you try to fix it on your <laughs> I love it. <laughs> I, I feel that. You know, you try to fix it. What, here's, here's the tension with this, right? 
you, you ever notice that having the right tool for the job really makes a difference? Yeah. Um, so I was uh, changing a filter on my car one day, and it happened to be the filter was like down under a bunch of stuff, and it was it should have been really simple. You know, you just fill it's it's just an air filter. I'm not going to go and spend a couple hundred bucks for somebody else to do it. I'm going to do it myself. So I get in there and I realize, uh, you know, those like extensions for like your socket wrenches or something like that. It's like it needed an extension, and I didn't have the right socket wrench size. So what do I do? I try to improvise, right? You try to get something else to loosen it, and what happens? You you strip you strip the head on the screw, or you do, you you cause damage, right? So we're really good. We, we try to fix these things, like in our house. And if you just had the right tool, you'd be done in five minutes. It'd be nice and neat. But instead, we try to fix it with something that isn't made to actually fix that. And thus, we create issues. So my, my first point today is this. When we use the wrong tool, we cause damage. And what, what happens is, is, is we're trying to fix things, right? We're trying to fix things in our lives. We're trying to, to make things better. We're using the wrong tools. We're using something that wasn't designed to actually fix the problems that we're, we're trying to, to fix. It's like, you know, if somebody hands you a hammer and they say, I want you to unscrew this screw, you're going to have a problem. You're going to try to get that back inside. You're going to try to, and what's going to happen is that's going to go, you're going to scratch the wall. You're going to, you're going to break something else. And this is the analogy that I have for us in the way that we try to fix our lives. We're taking what could be fixed with a screwdriver and we're taking a hammer to it, or we're taking a saw. We're doing something that wasn't designed to actually fix the problem that we have. And in doing this, not only do we hurt ourselves, we end up hurting other people. This is the problem. This is the problem with a lot of things. We can see it. We not only hurt ourselves, we hurt other people. Other people hurt us. So in this scenario of life and fixing this longing, the right tool is following Jesus, right? That's what I'm supposed to say. The, the right tool is following Jesus. It's faith, faith in Jesus. It's the right thing to say. And I absolutely believe that. I do. But I think sometimes we confuse the how this faith, the how is actually fixing us. How faith is actually making us that we're talking about. This guy by the name of Tim Mackey, he's in charge of this thing called the Bible Project. I don't know if you're familiar with it. If you ever need to find like a really quick uh, just description of a, of a book or a chapter in the Bible, they make these videos, uh, YouTube videos, and they're really good descriptions of some of the, the general highlights of, of books in Scripture. But anyways, I, there's a phrase that he used in one of his messages that I'm, I'm going to use today. And the phrase is this. This, the phrase is myth of religious fulfillment. Myth of religious fulfillment. Now, this is something that would have been very present in, uh, the, in the day that the, of people writing scripture. Um, but it's also very prevalent in our own culture. Many of us think this way. And here's, here's what it is. The premise of it is this. We, we do this God thing. We follow Jesus for a reason. Uh, we, are, we are motivated by how our life is enhanced by following Jesus. I, I'm, I'm motivated by what's, what's coming from me following God. It, you know, it's, it's kind of like um, anybody, like health nuts in, in the room, like I eat really good, or I, 
why do you do that? You don't do it because it tastes good. You do it because it makes you potentially feel better or makes you healthier. Some people, uh, <laughs> some people are like, it's actually better. No, it's not better. <laughs> You're fooling yourself. It, it's not better. You're fooling your taste buds because they're not used to tasting that deliciousness that you've stopped eating. So, but it's, 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 right, it's better for you. You wouldn't do it. You wouldn't sacrifice the deliciousness. And I'm sorry, we're getting to Thanksgiving and you're not allowed to eat all those good, mm, that, that good mashed potatoes with the extra butter and cream. And, oh, so good. But we do these things for a reason. We follow Jesus by, by kind of what we get out of it. That's what, how we think of it, right? And I absolutely, this is again, I absolutely believe that following Jesus is better for you. I believe it's better for your life. But here's the, here's the problem with, with this, the myth of religious fulfillment. We define that better. We define what that better is when we follow Jesus. So if I follow Jesus, I'm supposed to, it's supposed to look better in this, in this way. My relationships are supposed to be better. I'm supposed to get that raise. I'm supposed to get certain things. My life is supposed to just be easier, right? God's, we, we think of this. This is a good one. We think God's role is to make, make things go better so that my life gets better. Make things go easier so my life is easier. And again, I absolutely believe that following Jesus is better, but we have to think about this. What is the repercussion of thinking this way? What's, what's the, the natural flow of if I think that God has to make my life better, what, what comes with this? Well, as long as you're comfortable, God must love you. As long as you're getting what you want, you must be good. Yep, yep, me and God, we're good. Got the nice house, got the, you know, me and the wife are getting along, kids are going well. I got into the school that I wanted to. But what happens when, when you're uncomfortable or things are going bad, then, oh, well, maybe God's upset at me. Maybe I'm not doing something right. So you can, the repercussion could be that. Or you could be following this Jesus guy. You could be going to church and doing all the right things. And life doesn't get easier. You start having health problems. Things start falling apart. And so the conclusion could be, well, maybe this Jesus thing is a farce. Maybe this, is, this whole thing is a lie. This is, why, why would I do this? My life, my life isn't getting any better. And so I want to address the thinking of some of this today and how, how we, we do this in our own lives. In filling these longings, we, we're, we're trying to fill something that makes us feel better. So I'm going to be in, um, I'm gonna be in Ecclesiastes today. Anybody know anything about Ecclesiastes? It's in the Bible. That's, that is very true. Ecclesiastes is in the Bible. So Ecclesiastes, if I were to take a snapshot, I think that Ecclesiastes uh, is about deconstructing what you thought you knew about the world. It, it deconstructs how you look at things in the world, and it, it humbles you. And I believe it, it does this ultimately so we can accept uh, the truth of who God is and what he wants for us. Um, if you were with us last week, one of my main points was this. I had a, a point that says, we struggle to understand ourselves because we struggle to understand and trust God. Okay, that was one of my first points. We struggle to understand ourselves because we struggle to understand and trust God. And then it led me to write my next point, which was this. Our true identity and purpose 
is only found through God. And so those are some of the, some of the main points of the series. Our, our, our true purpose and identity is only found through God. And so if we have these misconceptions of life, then we're going to have misconceptions of God. We're going to have misconceptions about his involvement in our lives. And so I think Ecclesiastes is a perfect place to dive in today. And for some of you, today might feel heavy. Today might be a hard message for some of you. And then there's others of you in here that might be like, it's a brush of fresh, a brush, a brush of fresh, a breath of fresh air. It's like finally we're talking real. Finally we're just laying it out. And so I encourage you to just be open to what God has for you today. If you know anything about Ecclesiastes, you're probably familiar with one of the key uh, phrases through the passage, and that's this. Everything is meaningless. Meaningless. Everything is meaningless. So that word meaningless is actually used 38 times throughout the 12 chapters of, of this book. And so I actually want to show us the first line in Ecclesiastes 1, 1 and 2. This is, how, this is how it starts off. It says, the words of the teacher, son of David, king in Jerusalem. Meaningless. Meaningless, says the teacher. Utterly meaningless. Everything is meaningless. Who would have guessed that a book in the Bible would have started like this. Meaningless, meaningless. And we're all depressed, right? <sighs> How's that for a start? Everything is meaningless. Well, first we have to say, okay, what does meaningless mean? What does this word mean? I, I would say that the writer does not mean this in the way that we would necessarily think of meaningless. The, the Hebrew word that's translated here is the word havel. I think we have a silent. Havel, that's, that's the word. Havel, havel. You may see it with a B as well. The V to a B, havel, havel. And the meaning of this word, it literally means smoke or vapor. And so if you guys know, if you, if you've, I, I don't smoke or else I'd have, actually it's funny, I've seen somebody represent, they've, they got a pipe out and they, they smoked the pipe and blew it in the air and you saw it. And it's, you know smoke, it's, you see it and all of a sudden it's there and then it's gone. It's there and it's gone. It's, 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 it's fleeting. It's like, you know, in, in the winter time it's getting cold, you, you blow in the air, you see it, and then it's gone. You see it, and then it's gone. And so there's two, there's two ways that the writer uses this word havel in Ecclesiastes. The first one is uh, temporary or fleeting. You can see that in Ecclesiastes 11, verse 8, if you want to look up that. There's a, this sense of it's fleeting. It doesn't last. It doesn't stay. It's there, and then it's gone. It's there, and it's gone. So we see this word havel used. It's there, and then it's gone. The other way that he used it is in a meaning of it being an enigma or a paradox. And I'm going to share uh, a verse with you. So in Ecclesiastes 8, verse 14, we see this enigma paradox. It says, there's something else meaningless that occurs on earth. The righteous who get what the wicked deserve and the wicked who get what the righteous deserve. This too, I say, is meaningless. He's not speaking to the temporary element of it there. He's speaking to the fact that it's, it doesn't make sense. It's an enigma. It's I, I, I don't understand it. We've thought about this before, what, right? Why did that jerk get the promotion? How did he get that? Man, they're terrible people. How did that happen to them? Why are they successful? I've been working my tail off. I've been good. I've been respecting the boss. I've been doing... How, they're the ones that get that. We see it all the time. Corrupt leaders getting what they want. People who we think don't deserve something, getting something, what do you make of it? And it can seemingly clash 
with what we believe or what our expectations are of God. God, why are you letting this happen? How can, how can they be the ones that flourish? And I'm sitting here in pain and things are going bad. What do we do with that? And on top of that, we have scripture that seemingly contradicts that. I want to show in Proverbs 13, I have two, two verses in Proverbs I want to share. Proverbs 13, 9 and Proverbs 24, 20. The light of the righteous shines brightly, but the lamp of the wicked is snuffed out. For the evildoer has, the evildoer has no future hope, and the lamp of the wicked will be snuffed out. So in Proverbs, uh, well, why, why does it say that? And then in Job, this is great. So you, you see some of the, the, the imagery of the light and the lamp. In Job 21, 17, we see this. Yet how often is the lamp of the wicked snuffed out? How often is it actually snuffed out? How often does calamity come on them? The fake God allots in his anger. How often does that really happen? You see these, these, this imagery in Proverbs, we've got, well, it's, they're, they're not supposed to get that. <laughs> and in Job, how often does it happen? And in Ecclesiastes 7.15, it says this. In this meaningless life of mine, I have seen both of these, the righteous perishing in their righteousness and the wicked living long in their wickedness. What do we do with it? We all see it. We've experienced it. Is the Bible not true? Are we fooling ourselves? What's really going on here? And so in reading these, to me, it makes me ask this question. What if it's not God that's the problem but my expectations? What if I can't see what's actually going on? What if I can't see the, 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 the final thing? We have to look in, in, in Proverbs. What is, what is Proverbs? Do we know? So if, 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 our, if someone say, hey, what, in, in the book of Proverbs, what is it? Is it a book of promises? Or is it a book of wisdom? Wisdom. We like to take scriptures like that and make them a, like a one-to-one. -one. Do this and you get this. It's that I earn it mentality in, in faith. I'm going to do this, and I'm going to get this. And if I do that, and I didn't get this, then I must have done it wrong, or I didn't do it hard enough, or faithful enough, or there's something in the, in the equation that I missed, and so I'm going to try harder next time. But Proverbs isn't that. It's not a book of promises. It's a book of wisdom. Live this way. And you have a much better opportunity to have this outcome. Be righteous, and you have a much better opportunity to live this way. So what do we do with it all? I think just because we can't make sense of it doesn't mean there isn't purpose. Just because we can't fully comprehend all the dynamics of what's happening does not mean there isn't purpose or meaning in it. I want to share Ecclesiastes 8.17 with us. And it's this, it says, Then I saw all that God has done. No one can comprehend what goes on under the sun, despite all their efforts to search it out. No one can discover its meanings. Even if the wise claim they know, they cannot really comprehend it. It's giving some context for the life that we live here and now. This, this post-fall, this, this 
brokenness that we live in. It's, it's giving us some context. And this is why I said, some of us are like, man, this is depressing. Why are we talking about this? And yet some of you are like, oh, this is a breath. <laughs> I'm having trouble saying breath of fresh air. Breath of fresh air. Wow. I'm struggling, guys. Bear with me. But it's interesting. Some of you may be like, yes, this is, this is true. Man, life is hard. Why do we, we try to sugarcoat everything and make it, oh, well, you just do the right thing and everything will be great and dandy. It's like, hmm, I feel like I've seen some contradictions of that in my life. So what do we do about this? I believe in working through this and talking about these things that can help us work through this, this misfit toy thing that we're talking about. The fact that we're misfit toys, the fact that we have this longing, there's something not right, and I believe it helps us work through this. I'm going to go back to my first point. We struggle to understand ourselves because we struggle to trust and understand God. When we misunderstand God and what he is doing, we misunderstand what's happening in our world and around us, and we misunderstand our purpose. Remember that stat I gave about millennials last week, how they're just, they're searching for purpose. They're searching for the why. And I believe that's, that's the same for all of us. We're searching for the why. What is the point of this? Why? Why is this happening? And when we don't lean into what God is talking about, when we don't lean into who God says we are, when we don't lean into these things, we're going to continue to struggle to find any purpose, find any meaning. Because this life is not always easy. When we, when we talk about filling this, this void, this longing, how are we filling it? You can live for the promotion. You can live for material things. You can distract yourself. You can do all of these things. You can go out and party all you want. But here's the thing. The weekend's going to end at some point. The weekend is going to end. Monday is coming. These temporary things that we are putting in our lives, they're going to pass. They're going to come out wanting. They're going to come out not fulfilling us. And so we think about the past and we think about the future and we, we don't know what to do in the present. I found a, a really cool... Uh, section of a book, uh, Blaise Pascal is a guy that, that, that I'm going to read from, and I want you to, to take time, I'm going to read through this, and I want you to try it, I'm going to try to read it slow, we'll have it up on the screen, but I, I believe that what he wrote here is so profound, if you guys could go ahead and put that up, this is uh, Blaise Pascal from one of his books, it says, we are never fully satisfied with the present, we anticipate the future as too slow in coming, as if we can hasten its course, or we recall the past to stop its too rapid flight. We are so unwise that we wander about in times which are not ours and do not think of the only one which belongs to us. And we are so idle that we dream of those times which are no more and thoughtlessly overlook the only one that exists. It's because the present is generally painful to us. We conceal it from our sight because it troubles us. And if it is delightful to us, we regret to see it pass away. We try to sustain it by the future and think of controlling matters which are not in our power, preparing for a time which we have no certainty of reaching. Let each one examine his thoughts, and he will find them all occupied with the past 
and the future. We scarcely ever think of the present. And if we think of it, it is only to take light from it to arrange the future. The present is never our end. The past and the present are our means. The future alone is our end. So we never live, but hope to live. As we are always preparing to be happy, it is inevitable we should never be so. Man. When I read that, it's like, that's, that's spot on. We're always looking for something else other than what's here and now. So we have these, we have these feelings. We, we see these problems, and we can't seem to fix them. We are misfit toys, right? Ultimately created for something better, but also bound to interact in this fallen world. So we can resonate with the writings in Ecclesiastes. Everything is meaningless. It's here and it's gone. It's fleeting. It doesn't make sense. It's an enigma. It's a paradox. Why, why do these things happen? But just because we can't see the meaning doesn't mean it's not there. We just might not be able to comprehend it or take it in in the moment. And we may never get to the point in this life that we fully understand everything and what is happening. At the end of Ecclesiastes, um, we see the book uh, being summed up. Um, and so hopefully this shines a little bit of light for those of you who are feeling down or if this is a little depressing. But I want to read from the last, this is the last two verses in Ecclesiastes. So Ecclesiastes chapter 12, verses 13 and 14. It says this, Now all has been heard. Here is the conclusion of the matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the duty of all mankind. For God will bring every deed into judgment, including every hidden thing, whether it is good or evil. So he goes through 12 chapters of, of talking through all these things in life. It's meaningless, it's fleeting, it doesn't make sense. All has been said, now we've heard all this. Here's the conclusion, fear God and keep his commands. Here's the thing, it's, it's okay to live life. It's okay to enjoy the fruits of your labor. It's okay to splurge. It's okay to save. It's okay to be happy. It's okay to be sad. In Ecclesiastes, it says there's a time for all things. And so I ask us, what are we doing to fill that longing? What are we doing to fill that emptiness, that void? Is it something that's fleeting, or is it something that will last? How are you seeking God in the midst of it? How are you reaching out to God in the tension of it, in the things that you don't understand? How are you finding purpose in life? How are you seeking purpose in life? And are we wasting it on meaningless endeavors? Or are we building into something that lasts? I encourage us in all of this meaninglessness, we don't have to do any of this. It's all temporary, but what isn't temporary is Jesus and what he did for us. And so I encourage us, in those tensions of life, seek God. Read scripture, pray, be in community. Work to find that purpose in something that is eternal.
We have Thanksgiving this week. So in the theme of that, let's, let's be present this week. When you're with family, let's be present. Let's not think about the mess that has to get cleaned up or the conversations that might happen with family members or the arguments that you think might happen. Let's be present. Let's be thankful for what we have. Be thankful for the ability to to have a, a hot meal that we have family to get together with even if they have different political views than us or different theories on how to fix everything. Let's be present this week. Let's be thankful this week. Let's work to fill those longings and those holes with something bigger than what's temporary around us. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this day. Thank you um, that we can always run to you as we acknowledge these difficult things in our life, these seemingly these seeming paradoxes that we have to work through, these things that don't seem to make sense, these challenges, God. God, we know you are present. We know that you are there. And I thank you that we can come to you with those challenges, with those difficulties. And, and at the end of Ecclesiastes, God, that we would we'd do that. We would we'd live out a life that is obedient to you. That we'd humble ourselves and look to you. Some, look to you because you are greater and better, and you do provide greater and better than we can do for ourselves, God. May we be present, not only today and this week, but continuing on, not worrying about the future, but trusting in you and not being bound by the past, but knowing that you make all things new and you can work all things to your glory and for our benefit, God. We love you and we thank you for this time. It's your name we pray. Amen. I invite you to stand and join us as we continue worship together.